it's another week in the foyer reference household and it's not the first time we've called out the industry right ot Mm-mm. love and splooshes to everyone involved in assist the show we will put all the links in the show notes it is explained more eloquently than i could ever there is an open letter to the new zealand film and tv industry calling to account i guess you know the meta now that it has legs right ot The metaverse of it all, the calling out of the industry of it all. Go and check out that open letter. Also, there is a petition to go and sign friends and lovers. And we do know and we do talk about Indigenous storytelling all around the world. And when I say Indigenous storytelling, OT, I'm talking about Rutherford Falls, not Yellowstone. Oh, wow. (laughs) Um, And as a treat, and I guess in support and in protest, friends and lovers, the whole first season of Sis is available for everyone to watch on Vimeo right now. Get into it. It's super nasty. Watch it and come back for the episode, friends and lovers. For sure. Let's get on with the show. Friends and storytelling lovers, welcome back to the Foyer Reference Podcast. You got your host, Katie. And OT. Plug in to the diversity matrix where caucasity ticks all the boxes. Mm-hmm. Join the roll call of industry babies and diversity daddies with Sis this week. Woohoo! Are you strapped in, OT? Always. We're going to strap on and we're going to keep it nasty. Mm-hmm. Uh, friends and lovers, like we've mentioned many, many times, most recently, but also in general, Indigenous storytelling is so important because, again, it's important for stories to be told, but it's important on who are telling those stories. Fact. Which gives us the key word, the, the Sesame Street O.T. Grover phrase of story sovereignty. Mm-hmm. Uh, in support and also because we fucking love Sis, the show season one, we will be covering it today. Again, it is available on Vimeo. Make sure you go and watch it. The format's very interesting. There's sketches, but there's also through plots throughout um, all all of the episodes as well. There's a lot of characters. Uh, you know, we've we've done a handful of Pacifica and Maori um, film and TV on this podcast. So hopefully, friends and lovers, you're satiated and your palate is most welcome. Um, and we're going to talk a lot because this show really achieved so many notes um, in, in a first season sort of format, right? It really did. Let's get into general stats and information. Love and splooshes to Hanel Harris in regards to writing credits. We also have Maya T, Joe Diamond, George Imahira, Mo Langa, Victor Roger, Thomas Sensbury, Destiny Momosia, as well as Mark O'Toole in regards to cast. We have Suvai Atakamaya, Hilary Samuela, as well as Gabby Solomona in regards to producers. We have Hanel Harris, Jaden Lesley. Leslie, Maya T, Karen Williams, Destiny Momosia, Liz DeFore, hey, bow, bow. shout outs to the Panthers, Halai Fonua for now, as well as Gabby Solomona. Nice. And Robbie Mangasiba. <laughs> Mr. Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> if you're next, I thought I was just imagining him. So it was good to know he was actually there, OT. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
OT, like many of our friends and lovers, you've you've now become maybe not well, but adequately lubricated in Maori and Pacifica sort of entertainment. Um, let's get your first impressions. How how did you feel about the TV show? And I guess uh, if there's any sort of confusion, the full first episode was released and has been available, um, and the rest of the season is available now on Vimeo. So, how has your journey been, my love? I remember watching the first um, episode a while back and it was fun. It was invigorating. I remember us thinking, what the fuck is the next episode dropping? Yeah. And it's one of those things that just really resonated. And I think the fact that it was done by Pacifica people, you know, there's just a lot of stories to be told in such a unique way in their own. And I was there for it. I just feel like you're trying to get a delicious Kenyan podcaster on season two. Is that what you're trying to do? Hopefully, you know. Uh, cultures collide, new things are born. You don't know where you'll end up. <laughs> the OT king, am I right? A hundred percent, man. <laughs> uh, I, I absolutely agree with everything you said. You know, even in Head High, there was Brotown in there, which was a very early sort of periphery in regards to uh, Maori and Pacifica sort of entertainment, right? Mm. Um, even coming to Head High, that obviously, you know, tackles a bit more complex um, storylines than Jeff the Maori and his guitar in Brotown. Uh. Or Babelo going to the pub and he may be sometime. Um, But I was well satiated. And the reason why this show just fucking works on every level is because it's also coming from the lens of women as well. Um, I I, I love having, you know, the brown female gaze, so to say, in this because it covers a lot of specific sort of, you know, topics. And I, I think it's even in the first episode where they're all coming together and they're talking about these particular sort of issues, right? And what I really, 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 really love about it is maybe even from my own experience, you know, you can't sit around having uni lectures or having textbook conversations because they will just like poo-poo you and boo you out of the room. Mm. Like when you're in that sort of setting, it's all about mocking. It's all about laughing, which is cool, super cool. But sometimes we need to get to a level of depth. And I love that not only are we exploring themes that are important to talk about, but it's also approached in a way of humor, right? Mm -hmm. Even we see, I think it's at the start of episode three, when we have Gigi and her family meeting, you know, her brother's girlfriend for the first time. Apparently not the first white girlfriend. (laughs) Can we talk about it? I'd rather not. Oh man, maybe maybe in another time or if we're feeling a bit spicy near the end of the episode, I guess we can talk about it. Are we not the poster people for interracial dating OT? Should be. <laughs> I think Tom would applaud us. <laughs> I think we're Tom's wet dream. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, but, you know, even even broaching topics of like respecting your elders and, you know, but it, it was one of those moments, you know, Pitbull, Mr. 305 worldwide, uniting all cultures. As soon as that, for lack of better word, white girl said the mum's name and looked at her in both eyes, we both knew what time it was. For sure. <laughs> Man, I grew up never knowing my parents' first name until I was much older. Because why did you need to know them at all? Yeah. 
Like that's that's actually none of your business. Yeah, man. It's even safer for you not knowing. Because <laughs> then I can't slip. Yeah. Exactly. But but you you see what I'm saying? There's 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 so many muy caliente. There's so many tangible sort of themes um, that are explored in this show, and it's done in a way that hits not just on my levels on OTs as well. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get into the themes that I have for us today. Obviously, we're going to start off with indigenous storytelling as well as story sovereignty. And I also say this to someone that is watching Alaska Daily willingly. Wow. You love coming for me nowadays, eh? Well, you you chose to watch it and you choose to continue to watch it. <laughs> it's the swank of it all, man. You know, everyone loves a classic who done it. It's it's just interesting having the themes be so clearly about the industry and to also have the circumstances lay out the way that they do. We don't need a Daniel Craig to solve that mystery, do we, OT? No, no, neither did the movie. Yeah, and Kevin Costner can stay away from the native land, right? (laughs) (laughs) For every recommendation I get for Yellowstone, I'm just going to slam it on the podcast. Just know that. Just know that. Um, the next theme that I want to go into is the industry slash diversity. And I think we can also, we can also relate that to, you know, the things that we're currently watching, but I want to talk about the way that it was explored in CIS. Yeah, we get, they're trying to pitch a story, you know, in the writer's room, they're trying to create the story so they can There's pitch funding. it out. There's funding yeah. for a Pacifica show, but only one. There's only room for one. Of course. The pick me oh, of it all. Why would you have more than one? Exactly. So <laughs> so I, I guess that's, that's an interesting sort of um, backdrop to have. Yeah. And it's... It's the it's the sort of age where you have these people that who are a providing funding for this, but more often than not, the funding goes to people who are not indigenous mm-hmm. and who are writing from a perspective that's not their own. Oh, so it does matter, Mister Alaska Daily. It does, and I can put my chest out for this because I know that it affects a lot of people, and we see a lot of shit that gets aired, and people who get opportunities for this shit. Yeah, you know, and, and you want when your time would be so how sis explored this albeit in a sort of comedic way it still hit home yeah because at the end of the day we get to see how everything transpired up until the end Mm -hmm. and you know either be people jumping ship to go to a someone who they knew they would get because they're writing from you know when when it's let's say it's a white person writing a story from a different point of view uh people regard it as this guy is super woke he's he's very in touch with everything else and he has did you just say aaron sorkin Man, quoted as saying, "You don't need to be from a particular experience to write that." And I guess I present to you the trial of the Chicago Seven, which I think a lot of us are still trying to finish watching. It's it's <laughs> it's something that's plagued the industry, and I think when we talk about it more and we uh, expose it more and we make people aware of it more, because at the end of the day, some people might not even know, you know, like. Mm-hmm. Me growing up, I never really paid attention to the directors, the writers, and all that. Yeah. You know, it's something that you capture it more when you grow older and you pay attention to everything other than it just being a concealable piece of media. Mm-hmm. So I loved and I enjoyed how they portrayed it here because it was quite realistic. 
it made sense. Yep. When they didn't get the funding, I was like, of course they wouldn't. Yep. Because they never do. Well, you know, I, I could have stopped you while you were going to say spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. But like, that's fucking true, isn't it? It is. It's the world we live in. If you think I've spoiled it for you, you've not lived. Yeah. Or you're like, Tom, you're a well-meaning ally. <laughs> um a side note i brought up a qualm um in the like the acknowledgement of um land that we occupy in a work context um and i had a well-meaning uh white lady ally tell me that i should bring it up myself no one wants to rock that boat with a boss you know so it will only make sense but then I, but I was also like, I constantly have to navigate this white space as a brown woman. And then she was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I do understand that we should fight together." And I'm like, "Fuck off!" Like, <laughs> if you're not on the front line for change while you're picking up your pennies of oppression, I don't want to hear about a colonizer. Wow, man, you've puffed up your chest for today. Yes, Ooh. that's that's why your whitewash shows don't do it for me, OT. <laughs> <laughs> you got your tits out, Laurie Strode style, eh? Show it your tits. Absolutely, absolutely. But you're you're 100% right. And, you know, a conversation that we probably have outside of the podcast, um, but it's definitely relevant to hear is when you live in countries where you have majority, you know, white population, you know, and I think we're talking about specifically about Aotearoa, but even here in Australia, um, the voices of black and brown and maybe even First Nations people are the ones that are saying the shit that white people are comfortable with, what they want to hear and what doesn't challenge them. Mm. Like it's all fun and games, but even to visibly be non-white can be very threatening. Yeah, yeah. And that's a fact of life, you know. It's something that we live with. It's something that we carry through. And whether or not you think it's right or wrong, it's just is. Uh, before we move on to another theme, like for me, diversity isn't enough. Like you see it, you see it on all the induction and marketing materials of corporate culture. Like you see all these, I get jealous of all the brown people on the on the materials because where where, where are they? Where's my kin? Where's my peeps? Yeah, man. I, I'm a place where I see a lot of black people in the materials and I've been looking. <laughs> I've been looking for my people. Where are they hiding? <laughs> What? The- <laughs> well, they're just gonna be the next diversity event. We're gonna see them, bro. Like, I can't, I can't turn a corner without seeing a black person uh, posted or plastered somewhere. Yeah, and I walk around and nothing. I thought it was different. I thought I'd see. You know what? There's a lot of black people in here, man. But nah, nah. I'm gonna coin. I'm gonna coin it. They're diverse lighting you. They're making you think there's diversity. Yeah. But it's not really- <laughs> <laughs> Um, speaking of the next, the next theme that I have is the humor in this show. Mm. It was very funny. Like, um, I I guess you would be more of the litmus test for it, but I thought the humor was very, very funny. I would think that a lot of the themes were also universal enough for it to be funny. How about you? Oh, found it hilarious you know um like you mentioned we had that situation with uh with a white lady meeting uh, the parents for the first time and it being super like 
we've lived all those as someone who's fucking um, native. You know, mm-hmm. you've had those weird moments. It was hilarious. And all through those transactions when we got to see, um, even when the parents were like coming to the guy's room. Yeah. You know, and she, she'd slept in yeah. the guy's room and the parents are coming in like, man, <laughs> you know, sometimes you just got to be aware a bit. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, and I but, think, it, I think it was also explored that uh, Gigi's brother is bi as well. Yeah. Which we'll come to, um, but you know, you have, you have a pick of both genders and you choose her. <laughs> Wait, I, I'm sorry. Maybe, maybe I do have a pick me brown girl in me. Who knows? You do. Uh. <laughs> We had the clap back for Rob Kardashian. Oh, that was so good. That was one of the most hilarious things. I think I burst out laughing. We had to rewind it a couple of times. We did. We had to run it back. (laughs) Rob, run it back, Kardashian. It was too, 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 too good. Imagine getting your hair did, uh, putting up makeup, and then (laughs) someone says, me. Ah, uh, I think I'd throw down, man. I, I would not stand for that. <laughs> Are they going to catch your Will Smith hands? Oh, they would. Oh, they would, man. To get a Will Smith concussion? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to get a Will Smith Nigerian accent? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, representation is important, even accents, OT. It is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, another hilarious, hilarious, hilarious. Many of the hilarious moments in season one was when Tom was uh, trying to look up his, like do a DNA test um, for his ancestry. And he came back a hundred percent English. <laughs> Cause surely, surely somewhere along the way, you need to have some sort of seasoning somewhere. Nah, man, the people who kept it pure, bruv. <laughs> like at that point, it's kind of impressive. It is, it is. <laughs> but he should have done known better because if that was his ancestry at both cookouts, he would know. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. Wow. When you hand rich for that reason, you should have known, man. <laughs> <laughs> What what are your thoughts on Tom's character in particular? I enjoyed him, man. I like, I felt, you know, he is a super ally. You know, he wants to be, he not only wants to be for the culture, he wants to be part, he, he sees himself as part of the culture, you know? Yeah. And man, you can't, I'm not going to be here and gatekeep, you know? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Color, it's only fucking skin deep, doesn't fucking matter. Okay, I think I think this is a Hansel and Gretel journey you're taking on your own OT. <laughs> <laughs> keep, the, keep those keep those colorblind breadcrumbs to yourself. I don't see color, man. I, I wow. walk out there and everyone's beige and that's cool. Uh but anyway, I, I think he was he was um he was really hilarious. And I think him being really blinded, be it naively that he feels that he is part and he feels so connected because A he he can talk to uh Pacific women and connect and write oh, a I, show. I don't like the way you said that, but okay. Well <laughs> just <laughs> it felt layered. <laughs> <laughs> it felt loaded. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. 
No, I, I could I could feel I could feel his need to connect. And But why can can OT, is this a safe space? Always. Can we be real on this podcast? A hundred. As opposed to every other fucking episode we do. Mm-hmm. Um what is it? Like, why is it like two extreme swings of the pendulum? It's either super hating our people or it's over fetishizing. Like, why why can't we just get something in the middle? <laughs> Man, I, I'd need a doctorate for that. It's either they're calling us savages or they're calling us brother and sister in our language. Like, why isn't there an in-between? Why can't you keep your identity but also embrace other cultures? Yeah, that call us savages, but still want to hit it, you know? So it's it's one of those things where you're like, bruh, you know? Yeah. So I don't know, man. It, it's it's one of those stupid things. People are stupid. But I liked him as a character in this. He was very funny. I found he his was, he was He wasn't malicious, I he, think, is the main point. Yeah, it didn't. Of all of the evil forces, he wasn't one of them. Yeah, it, it, it didn't come with any of the nasties. It didn't come as if it was ill-meaning or anything like that. No, you know? no, no. Um, um, it's just one of those things where you get someone who's really trying, um, be it he's very, very naive, mm-hmm. but he's giving his all. You know, his intentions are fucking pure, but he is just not ready. Yeah, we've given the white man character enough. <laughs> he's, he's had enough airtime, OT. Uh-huh. Go and watch a Yellowstone if you want more white man representation in a native story. Wow. <laughs> I think another hilarious moment was when they were doing the twerking class. Uh-huh. Uh, it was a white lady with um, not the well, the most endowed bug side. Um, Just say she got a flat ass. <laughs> Man, I'm a lover of ass. I'm not going to discriminate. It's one of those things where it was fucking hilarious, you know, seeing people come in and getting the class, paying good money for these classes. And I think this is actually a real thing going on up there. I'm pretty sure Gwyneth Paltrow is the leader. A hundred percent. And the the motto is, you don't need a handful, you just need a pinky full. Mm-hmm. With the goop egg up you as well. <laughs> so... <laughs> There are also some funny teachable moments, um, you know, and I guess like the underlying sort of theme is, you know, as Pacifica young women, there are things that you just don't talk about. So the sexual health check. Yeah. I think it was Gigi that went over to the house and, you know, the well-meaning white lady was telling her to, you know, share all of her feelings, which is very important. But, you know, having the suppressive sort of upbringing, I understood why that would be uncomfortable and it just doesn't doesn't work you know again yeah. it's it's hitting levels that aren't necessarily for everyone but it's definitely got a lot of resonance all around as well a hundred percent uh let's move on to queer representation in this show um you know specifically in the writer's room we have fear and we also have nucky i shed i would say a couple of tears in this season and i think most of them were for nucky like i just wanted to see nucky win mm. uh I would say the most developed storyline in the show. Um, I just, I just loved it. I absolutely loved it. You know, Nucky was so hardworking, so dedicated, realized how ridiculous the circumstances for the funding of the show would be. Um, and also just the general sort of frivolity inside of the writer's room. But Nucky was always there to work, you know, mm. outfit, 10 out of 10, work ethic, 10 out of 10, attitude, all the way up to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> 
For real. And what I really loved about it is, you know, at the end of the season, Tom was like, you know, even though this didn't work out, I want us to work together in the future. Yeah, she was super hardworking, you know. Um, she brought everything to the table. She's just a go-getter. And you want people like that around. She belonged in the Miss Independent Neo video, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think also I like the way that um, Sis explored. I wouldn't necessarily say anti-transness, but I would say, you know, there is a general sort of ignorance, which also makes me very sad, friends and lovers, because like I say with my Patrice Woodbine chest, where the nuance reside, where the nuance reside. Um, but unfucking fortunately, a lot of attitudes in Pacifica uh, not hearkening to our ancestors, it's our parents and maybe our grandparents. And what that means is it's coming from a very colonized Christianity lens. Mm. You know, all ancient cultures, including Pacifica cultures, had more than two genders. Mm-hmm. And it's so sad and also in many levels fucking frustrating to see my fellow brown people come with that sort of ignorance, right? Instead of leading with curiosity and a wanting to learn, it, it, it is in a more malicious sense. And friends and lovers, if you if you want, let's pull up on Israel Falau. I'm ready. <laughs> oh, I'm getting spicier tea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, it, it wasn't necessarily as pointed or malicious in this show, but we did have Mickey come, you know, with a, a sort of trend of, guys dressing up as women and and that was the whole joke yeah and that man that got me man like i got very emotional watching that and you know there is a part of like if you have the grace to extend that to mickey because mickey didn't know but it's like pull your heading you know this is where we are now or or just be open to being teachable yeah do the walk man you know um a lot of the time we expect people to do the work for us to teach us to tell us when we've gone where we've gone wrong but sometimes you know it doesn't hurt for you to go the extra yard and to understand Mm -hmm. that the people are there with feelings that you need to understand how to transverse the fucking world which is in that hard to do the word of the day brought to you by ot uh fia fia was a very interesting character or at least the sort of hijinks that Fia's character would foray into. It was very reminiscent of black comedy. What's this in, slut? <laughs> it's my Buddha, slut. <laughs> Can't even handle it, slut. <laughs> I saw you with my man, slut. <laughs> <laughs> like Fia's uh, character was very much giving me that energy. He was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think he he was the tension reliever. He 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 just made even in serious moments we were talking about serious matters or issues or even sort of trying to cascade through um difficult topics. He was there to sort of bring a sense of levity. Mm. You know, while still showing, you know, it wasn't just about it wasn't like Jim Carrey just there, you know. Uh-huh. He, 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 in as much as he brought levity, he still kept it real. That's interesting because I would say, aside from like the skit a la Rock Lee and his Ninja Pals sort of skit levels, in the actual sort of storyline, I would say Fear was quite serious. I, I also liked the way that Fear was portrayed because, you know, there is an extravagance, there is a flamboyance, but there's also 
different experience as well. So I, I did like the way he's portrayed, but there was a part of his character that I did have qualms, quarrels, and quandaries with. Mm-hmm. Lay it out, man. Let's talk about the chicken George in the room. Mm-hmm. It very much had that energy, like you know, because it, it doesn't it doesn't go unnoticed that Theo was the one with the black beret, and he kind of he very much he even verbally, like vocally, he would vocally talk about how important it is. But then he ended up going to, I think it was Invaders Productions. Mm. So what's that then? It's him looking after number one, you know. We've covered a lot of shit that people do and it's always based off self-interest. And at the end of the day, he managed to see that, you know what? Because we're not going to get funding, I might as well jump ship. But are you about it? Some people are just about themselves and fair enough, man. Like, <laughs> Well, don't say representation is important. Just say I'm important. Put put me at the front. But that's a lot of people out there like that. Ooh. You know? And that's the sad thing, isn't it? That is a sad thing. Um, Because if, if I was to compare it with, uh, let's say, politicians getting elected in Kenya, they'll all pre- fucking pretend yeah. that they care. That Throw their shillings the out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But once they get to a point where it's they have an opportunity to make something for themselves, then they forget everything before that, you know, and they become super corrupt. It's all about them. They steal and all that shit. So to the point where- Are I you was, comparing Fia's character to no, a corrupt no, no. Kenyan politician? I am not. I'm just saying <laughs> the characteristics are there and- <laughs> I don't think you've even likened anyone on succession to a corrupt Kenyan politician. Right? Wow. I, I ain't gonna come for me for this then. I'm just saying there's there's a level where be it black, Pacifica, it doesn't matter. You know, when they're faced with a hey, do I stick with a situ- with a situation where I can't see a profit for myself for a a longer time period where I have to maybe struggle a bit more to make an effort to continue pushing um, so that we all, we're all raised above. There are people who are like, fuck that shit. I've done the struggle. I've done whatever. They feel like it's my time. And that was fear. He felt like I'm better than this. I need to be in a production. But if we if we can be real about it, it adds another icky level. Because mm. if that was the case, fear the character... Fia's character should have just embedded himself in the white sort of productions anyway. If he if he wasn't going to be about his people, he should have just went through that venue. Why go through here and then gain and win the funding through a non-Pacifica lens? That's that's double, triple brown jeopardy right there. Yeah, uh, it, it's one of those things where he had to fight with his demons in his head where he's like, oh, I'm on the right side now, but... If I'm offered something else, might as well jump ship. Yikes. Mm-hmm. Fact. Man, you can call it empathy or you can call it exact experience because the way you were able to relate so quickly. I'm banned, bruv. <laughs> <laughs> I come with my own baggage. I come with my own baggage in this, so... Well, speaking of baggage, the next thing I think I want to talk about is offensive betrayals. Um, it was done in a very funny manner, I must say. Um, it didn't leave us feeling deflated like the 1930 uh, King Kong. Um, but it, it was done through Gigi's character. I think she was casted into some sort of Maori production. Mm. 
And I thought that was funny. I, th- I thought it was done very well. Um, I talked about it in the Nope episode specifically. Um, obviously, we can talk about different cultures and that sort of thing. But specifically in the Nope um, review episode, I talked about how Jordan Peele was able to perfectly betray the Hollywood industry. Mm-hmm. And the way he was able to do it is because, you know, he's had to navigate those spaces or may continue to navigate those spaces. Yeah. Right. And I'll also say friends and love if you just thought it was a surface level sci-fi film, then you also don't understand why Jordan Peele said he wouldn't be able to make this film five years ago. <laughs> but anyway, keep your PC babies or watch your things on surface level if you choose to, friends and lovers. Um, but what I also felt in Sis as well is there was an understanding and there was also a calcifying, perhaps through personal pain, from being in the New Zealand industry, Mm. right? And we see that done in a very humorous way, but in a very real way when, you know, Gigi was in the makeup chair, Mm -hmm. you know, even acknowledging that she's not Maori, but it didn't matter at some point being dressed like Pocahontas. (laughs) Because, you know, Oti, the very wise sage that we have on this podcast and in the four-year reference household has pointed out to me many times that racism doesn't need to be smart. Never is, man. What did you think about that scene? Made sense. You know, we, we cast a lot of people out there. I say we <laughs> very lightly, but people are casted out there and you're like, you know what? Someone who would fit any sort of ambiguous role, they'll put them in as whatever. Yeah. Stand in as whatever. And to the point where we are learning to be better, I think definitely becoming better than what we used to watch Mm -hmm. so hopefully we continue to raise awareness and it's continue to be aired that you know what this shit ain't right yeah it ain't right at all um but something that is also right uh friends and lovers you know we we cover a lot of film and we cover a lot of television and this might not mean anything to anyone but you know now that we're starting to see you know especially in america we're seeing black executives, black network executives, you know, Larry Wilmore doesn't get enough, um, accolades. You know, he, if you, if you read the cliff notes for insecure, he helped Issa Rae, um, you know, also Abbott elementary, our Quinta Brunson, um, you know, even, even Tyler Perry as well, you know, Mm. um, Kenya Barris, like you have people that are embedded that are at a high enough executive level, Shonda Rhimes, right? Mm-hmm. I hope one day it will be so easy to rattle it off for like Maori and Pacifica sort of network runners and that sort of thing, because unfucking fortunately that's where the change is going to happen. Right. It is. And I think I just want to see some stability and some barking to Pacifica shows. Yeah. You know, head, head, head's eye was, was canceled because of some nonsense. Fuck that. You know, um, it's one of those things where just bark the talent to do what they do best you know don't fucking interfere in things that you think you know more of or you know better sometimes man just let the talent be and it's fucking ridiculous because we've had a lot of shows drop off because of some big network interference or just they don't get it but even total control you know deborah mailman who is an intergalactic supernational amazing beautiful 
person and also star, she should be enough to be able to back total control. Mm. Griffin? Yeah. But even then, it went through funding to advance First Nation stories. Even mm. in a country where you have the legends in film and TV, they couldn't even go through the mainstream bucket. They had to go through the diversity bucket for a show that, first of all, already tested its muster and has, again, I, I don't know, it's just fucking frustrating. It is. It is. For Deborah Mailman to have to bend backwards to this fucking idiot, it's ridiculous. It's stupid. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And then it's like, you can get other Indigenous and First Nation stories through that funding because you've already got guaranteed stars there in total control, which makes no sense. Facts. Go and check that out, friends and lovers, while we're here. Um, something that I want to finish off in, again, it, it might not be important or you might not have even noticed it, but, you know, with, with the availability, with the accessibility, with the opening of the closed gates previously, we are, say, we are seeing more stories from different voices, right? Mm -hmm. However, something that I have noticed in general is, especially if it's a non-white story, there's a lot of like, one-dimensional white characters oh it's kind of like a mirror obviously it it doesn't have the same staying venom of decades that like you know racist sort of caricatures were of non-white people but it's kind of the mirror of that like we're just going to give them no dimension at all right and i wanted to give some love and praise to sis because there were multi-dimensional white people in this show yeah except for maybe the visa intake officer <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like it's so easy and maybe even just out of a place of satisfaction of portraying white people as very one dimensional, but unfucking fortunately it's even, it's even the, the old people smiling at you at the RSL. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you can get it from anywhere. Unfucking fortunately, but I really like that we flesh out the characters, you know, even with Tom, you're saying you really like him. He's a cool guy. Yes, man. I just, I just love this show. I, I just love this show so much. And I would encourage everyone to go and watch it. It's on Vimeo and we're very excited to continue to support Sis and the team. It's definitely a must watch. It's fun. Um, you know, in, in as much as you can walk away with a lot of um, hard thinking sort of uh, pieces out there, it's still very, very hilarious. I think what they've done here is outstanding. Um, and the fact that we watched the pilot like ages ago and it's, it was still in our minds, it reverberated and we still keep continuing thinking about it, mm. wondering when is it going to drop? When yeah. is it going to drop? And it just shows the level of talent thought hard work put into this and i can't give it any much praise than that man it's it's one of the best things we've watched this year it's and it's fucking rewatchable and you know how much that means to me the rewatchability factor in anything is important and this has a bucket load of it mm-hmm Thank you, friends and lovers, for joining us on another episode in the For Your Reference household. We're going to finish off in a segment we call For Your Reference. OT. Uh, keeping it in the sketch show sort of family, I'm going to reference Black Lady Sketch Show. You know, a group of women doing what they do just like this, you know. And it was funny, hilarious, lighthearted. It's on HBO Max. One more time, OT. Black Lady Sketch Show. Woo -hoo. <laughs> Black ladies, get show. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
I'm going to keep it in the sketch family and I will reference black comedy. <laughs> my Buddha brother. <laughs> <laughs> I see your man moon coming. Eh? <laughs> if we're not laughing, we're crying or we're burning down the institutions. We ride at dawn, friends and lovers. Mm-hmm. If you'd like to join the revolution on Twitter and Instagram, we're at for your F pod. Write us an email at hellofpodcast.com. We're also on Stream Sis on Vimeo right now, all day, every day podcast. If you like to leave a rating and review, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye, sis. Bye. <laughs>